It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Talk Streamers Podcast. My name is Simmel. Today, I'm joined by Paul. Say hello, Paul. Hi, how's it going? Uh, we're also joined by his best friend, Billy. Say hello, Billy. <laughs> hello, mate. How are you? Uh, very well, mate. It's good to see you yet again, Billy, which is, uh, yeah. you know, it's becoming a recurring thing now at the Villa. <laughs> I'm on a decent run now. It's, I just can't seem to get ready at this point. Um, <laughs> and it was into the, the, the Screamers chat where um, uh, Paul said, could we just talk about Villa right away and get it over with? Uh, Billy was quite excited to do that, so I think we should do that, boys. <laughs> we should just talk about your beloved Aston Villa before we go on to anything else. Um, so I've got to, I'm going to ask you your, your thoughts in the in the game because I've I've looked at Gerard's results. He's uh, I think he's three and four um, mm-hmm. minus Man City, which he was he, Aston Villa were actually pretty decent or for 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 the Man City game, but it's it's been quite tight results, but. Um, Getting over the line anyway, and that, that's a, that's the a main important thing. So nine points from a, a, a potential twelve, Billy. Um, it's all good pretty well, isn't it? Yeah, I'm very pleased with how Gerard's come in, and we seem um, well the way that he's got us playing. To be honest with you, it's a lot more energetic, and it's just crazy how the same formation, the same bunch of players can play so differently. Um, well, it's not really the same formation, is it? Because well, Dean Smith it, did sort of migrate away from four, the four-three-three. Yeah, it's a it's a four-three-three. That's how Smith predominantly wanted us to play before we had to revert to a five at the sort back. Five against, at the back, yeah, it? against a few teams. But for the majority of Dean Smith's tenure at Villa, he was trying to play that four-three-three, and it it's just black and white in comparisons it's just crazy how how different we play and it's a different, how it's a different we're playing it's a different it's, it really is it's just fantastic to watch um I what would you we were, say is, what would you say is the main polarizing difference in the and the gerard 433 opposed to the the smith 433 just i'd say the intensity that we're playing at um you obviously got the the uh, inverted wingers, if you want to call them that as well. The slightly narrow um, wingers, almost number tens, and yeah. it's like um, the the wingers and the bombing fullbacks as well. Yeah, yeah. They're, it's just I don't know. It's just really good to watch. And John McGinn's just a man possessed, marvelous Nakamba. Gerard's turned him into Claude Makélélé. It's just <laughs> insane. It really is insane. And I thought it was the first half. It was a bit too nice to. Too nice to Leicester as well. Gerard said at half time, uh, at full time, sorry, that in that first half we he needed to get into us at half time, and that some of the players are still a bit apprehensive into buying into the system and stuff like that. But he got into them at half time, and what he said worked because Leicester in that first half were they were very unfortunate not to go two, three, four goals ahead or score that many goals anyway. Um, but yeah, in the second half, it was it was a proper game of two halves, for lack of a better term, um, and it could have been us getting those two, three, four goals. Yeah, I mean, 
I agree with the the, the change. Yeah, you know, the the changes between the 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 Smith four three three and the Gerard four three three. I think you're pretty much. Yeah, I'm com- in complete agreement. It's the intensity, and I think there's just a lot of players already in this Aston Villa side that kind of suit a Steven Gerrard assistant mm-hmm. system. And Ashley Young for me is 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 one of them. Um, yeah. his sort of athletic ability. He's obviously. He's been a winger by trade at some point, Ashley Young. So, and that's Gerard sort of demands that of his of his wing backs. They really are wing backs. Mm-hmm. And if you, I know for the fact you don't watch a lot of Scottish football, Billy, but there was players of a similar sort of um, craft that that, that at Rangers. So James Tavernier, Bonabarisic, these are players that were extremely attacking fullbacks. You know, mm-hmm. James Tavernier, the amount of goals he got, just not just from penalties, but from free kicks and open play as well, and assists that he likes. That's why that I think that's why the the wingers or inverted wingers, if you like to football manager it up, the they come slightly narrow narrower, so the the, the wing match really have space to run in. And it's a good system for the Premier League, I think. I think if you're playing against uh Ben Ben Rogers lesser side and I can see the way they like they lined up to my to my left hand side here, they played a four two three one. Uh a slightly depleted Leicester. Um but yeah, I'm it's I'm very impressed with Steven Gerrard's um, start as a Premier League manager. And I, I've said only before that I don't think he was going to get a better offer in the Premier League than Aston Villa. He's obviously seizing that, and I think mm. if you can get a little bit more players that are suited to the system he wants to play, then he could really. He obviously European. He's on his, on about the European journey and the Jamie Carragher interview and the Lord Boots interview. Um, and yeah, I could I could definitely see it becoming a, a reality. Paul, I want to come at you, uh, Leicester. Um, I think. Brendan Rodgers will feel a wee bit because this was a Brendan Rodgers kind of there's a wee joke in Scotland where Brendan Rodgers kind of shat it and run from, <laughs> from Stevie Gerrard <laughs> down to the Premier League before he could uh, like officially lose, lose his um, his uh, ten in a row. Um, where, where do you think he, he got it wrong in this match? Clearly, but where do you think he went wrong? Um, there's a few, yeah, there's a few things wrong at the moment. I think just with Leicester in general, like as Billy said, they. They dominated the first half, or at least the first ha- part of the first half. I was going to say, not the entire first half, but... Yeah, and they, they could have ran away with it. Or like, yeah, you could could have seen just load, them scoring loads of goals, and then they, they're just dodgy at set pieces this season. I think Roger said that in the in the interview after the game. Um, but like, I kind of have sympathy for him, because they've lost Fofana, and he's obviously huge in in the back. And then no, like, obviously. it's... Yeah, and then who they have Luke Thomas, Dewsbury Hall, Luckman, Daka, Castagna. That's half a team who are pretty much yeah. not new to the squad, but like just new to starting. So, like, it's not a very good team when you actually look at it with those players. Yeah, as a kind um, of depleted sort of. Yeah, and then I, don't, I was Vardy injured. I'm not even sure, but like when no, I, th- I, th- I think it appearance. was just the rest. Yeah, it did yeah. make an appearance. Mm-hmm. I was very uh, yeah. surprised at that, to be honest with you. I know, dis- despite his age, he loves a goal against us. So I was, I was very <laughs> happy when I saw him uh, out of the starting lineup. But then again, to be able to bring someone like Jamie Vardy on with 20, 30 minutes to go or something, it just puts fear into the defenders. Well, when you and, look um, at the when you look at the Leicester changes, they're all very attacking changes that the Brendan tried making this um, match to to, to to try and get something to happen. You know, you see a Jamie Vardy come on, and I always Perez, who's a sort of winger, can be a striker, can't even be a number ten as well. Iosi Perez, and then Ian Acho, who I rate very highly. I think he needs to be playing more games, Ian Acho, um, and it just couldn't get over the line. But I, you know, Leicester did. I, I agree, Leicester were the better team in the first half, but. I, if you were to compare both those halves, I do strongly believe that Aston Villa were much stronger in their half than Leicester were. So I would say, yeah. you know, over yeah, this, yeah. Over, yeah. I don't think this is an upset by means. I think, obviously, he's a bit in at halftime, regrouped, came out with a plan and, and executed it. And that's it's kind of what it's all about. Um, can we oh. just address the uh, sorry? Can we just oh, address oh. the the animal in the room, the elephant in the room? The ref- <laughs> right. I don't want to, I don't want to talk about VAR too much, but this, I don't want this to become hate the referees episodes because we've done hate ref. I think we've done we hate the referees. I, I just like, think twice. something. <laughs> <laughs> they, go through the episodes. They're, they're there. They're like twenty minute <laughs> sort of rant, rant. So keep it to keep it to at least. Keep it to an hour, Billy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I'll try, but 
I, th- I just think something really needs to be said about referees because they're consistently being an embarrassment to the sport and it's it's not acceptable. The FA, the Premier League, whoever's in charge of these referees seriously needs to do something because it just isn't good enough. You've got two referees there with Michael Oliver and Paul Tierney who was on VAR for the Villa Leicester game who neither one of them were aware or knew about the exception to the to the law. And I'm sure everyone knows what what law I'm talking about, but the uh, Jacob Explain Ramsey, it for the listeners. Yeah, Jacob Ramsey had a goal ruled out just on the stroke of half-time. Um, Schmeichel had his hand on the ball as Jacob Ramsey went to kick it into the goal. This is the official law. Um, a goalkeeper is considered to be in control of the ball when with the hands when the ball is between the hands or between the hand and any surface, e.g. the ground or own body, or by touching it with any part of the hands or arms, except if the ball rebounds from the goalkeeper or the goalkeeper made a save. Now, you saw on match of the day, they were they asked for clarity on that law. And they were anal- they they had to analyse the wording and the punctuation of the law because the PGMOL Professional Game Match Officials Limited for anyone that didn't know um, said that the second part of the law doesn't affect the per- first part, which is just total madness. I understand what the law is. If you don't have, and if the ball didn't have re- hadn't have rebounded off Schmeichel first, it would have been a foul, whether you like that or not, whether you want to believe want that changed, whatever. That's besides the point. They're failing to take into account the exemption of the rule that is clearly stated and that the ball rebounded off Schmeichel. And so therefore the exemption to the rule has to be applied and the goal should stand. It's just so infuriating because why they can't just come out and say that they made a mistake and that the goal should have stood and learn from the mistakes. Why can't they do that? It's just beyond me. Making mistakes is part of human nature. Everyone does it, but you need to learn from those mistakes and accept them which is what the PGMOL aren't doing, and which is why we'll never improve. We'll not, we won't get anywhere until something happens and change is made. I mean, you see Dermot Gallagher on Ref Watch this morning, time and time again, week in, week out, defending the indefensible. And until they recognise the mistakes that they're making, it's just not going to improve. And the Premier League's the best league in the world with some of the worst referees in the world. And it just doesn't make sense to me as to why we have to stick with English referees. We've done it with players. We've imported them from all around the world to improve the game and and to improve the quality of the game. And I just don't understand why we can't do it with referees. We all saw the improvement at the Euros in the summer, in the Champions League as well. And it just doesn't make any sense to me. There we go, rant over. (laughs) There you go. Right, okay. And... Uh, uh, that's that's us in time. Uh, so thanks for tuning in. <laughs> no, Billy. No, it's a very well point. It's a it's a very you know important point. Um, it's one of the ones like I mean, a lot of people weren't massively, myself included, uh, like totally sure whether that goal should have stood or been disallowed or you know mm-hmm. what the actual wording of the rules were, and, and obviously the laws have came out. Um, I'll, I'll, ha- I'll hold my hands up. Yeah. I didn't either. I I thought. But the but point is that the ref, yeah, ball. yeah, I, that's the, what I thought at the time. Yeah. But I the was clearly wrong. Ref, so. Exactly, the referee should know the exemption to the rule, which they clearly didn't, and that's both of them as well. And it's it's just not acceptable. It shouldn't be happening. But it's not just that incident as well. It's it was the whole game, and it's just such a consistent occurrence as well. It just happens all the time with poor refereeing performances and, and something really does need to happen in my opinion no no it's pretty it's pretty poorly but I hate when we end up talk, talking about this because it, I feel like we end up not talking about what we should be talking about what we should be talking <laughs> about is if Stephen Gerrard's terrific mm. start to, to his, his Premier League career um, but it's kind of been a bit overshadowed Casper Schmeichel comes out in the post-match of course he's going to defend himself he's, he's, yeah. he says oh no it's perfectly fine you know? he's not going to say <laughs> of anything else of course he's going to say that, that. <laughs> of course he's going to say that but um, yeah that, that that's just the way the news goes folks I mean uh, don't uh, you can't come out and uh, say anything about match fixing because I just want to like point out that <laughs> Jude Bellingham is facing 
potentially criminal charges for um, accusing a referee of match match fits in our post match of the uh, the Bayern uh, Dortmund derby, uh, which is pretty funny, really. Because uh, <laughs> not not I do actually quite like the lad uh, Jude Bellingham. I quite I admire the the football and the athlete that he is, but you know I just. I, I don't know how it's a criminal charge, but apparently that's how protected referees <laughs> are. If you come out and accuse them of uh, of anything, uh, I'll suggest that they may not be completely moral in their motives, that you could be potentially facing some criminal charges. So shut your mouth, Billy, before we get fucking... <laughs> <laughs> before we get My done. views are not the views of the podcast. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, I need to put a wee disclaimer in uh, the beginning of the end of the episode. Um, but I think I think we've covered the, the game in enough depth. I mean, it's... Um, you know, it's quite it's quite impressive, uh, Stephen Gerrard's start to the Premier League. Yeah, he's definitely. got a big test. He's going to obviously face off against Liverpool. Um, he said he would absolutely have no sort of sense of sentimentality in that fixture. And I truly believe that. He is just that kind of player slash leader um, slash mm. man. Oh, he'll want to win coach. so much. He'll want... He, so he, much he, more, he, yeah. Yeah, he, the, mm. his sort of love for Liverpool will completely be overshadowed by his competitive sort of it's, spirit it, and, it, and want yeah. to win. Mm. It's going to be um, very interesting, that game, because how we've performed in these first four games under Gerrard is we have gone to press with with that intensity. But you've already seen that this season, if you press against Liverpool, they will just dismantle you. And so it's going to be very interesting as to how we approach yeah. that game and whether... Nine times out of ten, that is the case. Nine times out of ten, that is the case. But in the tenth time, you have a Brentford and then you get a result. Yeah. Brentford went to total Liverpool, came away with something, you know. Mm. Um, so... And I think like, but or you could do a Wolves where you have a sort of like solid back, and and you need a sort of Devil Kariga ninety fourth minute winner, um, to to break you down. You know, I mean, I mean, a lot, I know a lot of teams would would go down swinging rather than 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 do that. Um, obviously Wolves backed themselves as a defensively solid unit the first time they conceded in almost four hundred minutes, I believe. For the yeah. Devil Kariga goal, but we'll impressive. come on to that uh, in a little bit. Moving on from the, the Aston Villa-Leicester game, we we'll to go to the Manchester United game. Uh, the first match, officially, that, that Ralph Ragnick was uh, the, the 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 manager or the coach or the head coach. And, um, you know, they got over the line eventually from a, from a Fred Wondergoal, which I'm pretty annoyed about because I've been having a debate with uh, one of the other screamers slash total Liverpool lads, Adam, that uh, of the two... Of the two players, McFred, McTominay or Fred, uh, who is the, the more influential or the better player? And I clearly said Scott McTominay. Uh, Scotsman, Scotsman, Scott McTominay. Scott uh, McTominay. Uh, and uh, ever since I said those words, Fred has just been unstoppable. Uh, before I said that, by the way, Fred had had one assist all season, and I think that was his entire sort of goal. Sort of goals and assist tally. Since I've said that, he's he since had another assist and a goal and a match winner as well and a player of the match award. So um, I was pretty annoyed. Good goal as well. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah. I was, I was like, oh, we'll have we'll have this out in the podcast. I had all my stats and my sofa scored and my who scored, and my fucking <laughs> all my stats that says uh, right. Okay, fundamentally, Scott McTominay is a better player than. Fred, and then ever since then he's just turned into fucking Fred and Esther, <laughs> you know, any Esther reborn, you know, and it's, just, it's so frustrating. I'm so angry about it. Uh, I'm going to come to you, Paul. Uh, give us your thoughts on the um, the new setup at Manchester United and the uh, the the three points of stole from Crystal Palace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of was like that. I think they. Uh, yeah, I don't think this makes any difference for like their whole. I don't know, like what Ralph Ragnick is going to try to do. I think it was just like one of those games where obviously a result, a win is better than a loss. But I wouldn't say it's like anything to be like, oh, if we play like that from now on, we'll storm the league or whatever. Like Palace, <clears throat> pretty. I think they should have scored like yeah, middle of they the had second a half. lot of chances. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, particularly a Jordan yeah. Ayew one, and that boy's just yeah. Yeah, Almost great. That boy, like, if he could finish, the, if he could finish the chances he gets in front, like he gets. No, he's always in a good position because he's quite pacey. He's actually quite an, an intelligent off the ball footballer. But you just that boy just can't seem to fucking finish. But go on, Paul. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, it, it just shows how far United have fallen. Like that they're struggling at home against Palace, and I know Neville will say as well that like the manager is not going to solve all the problems, and it'll be interesting to see what happens by the end of the season. I think he'll get them playing mm. a very organised type of football. In, in the way that exactly like he wants and everyone will know what he wants mm. but whether whether they'll actually do well is another story they've got a lot of wasters and 
players who shouldn't be there and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Like I just I love the fact that Delat has just suddenly come out of nowhere to start right back and it's just like one of their best players. It's like <laughs> how how disorganized is this club that some a new manager this. thinks their best right back is has been on well, the bench or whatever. Um Aldalo, uh he had a I think he had a particularly good season last season at, at I one of the Milan's AC Milan, I want to say. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really follow Italian football that closely, but I think that's as much as that. And, and obviously, he had a break for a season, just a season before, where he mm-hmm. played a little bit in the Champions League and had some joy under under uh, like on a social on the sort of on the days where he was kind of promoting quite a lot of youth to get a good feeling around the club. Um, but yeah, he actually, I think he actually played uh, what he was definitely one of the better players of the Man United. Um, uh, uh, out, outfield and him and Telles and I, th- I think were um, particularly particularly good players. Um, slightly disappointing for Crystal Palace, so I really do think they could have got some, could have and should have probably got something from the match. Um, it's uh, it's always a bit nostalgic seeing a full ninety minutes from Nathaniel Klein. You know, <laughs> it's just just weird seeing Nathaniel Klein play a full ninety minutes of football, and I, I know he's probably played a full ninety minutes. Um, Previous to this match, but I don't think I was uh, a spectator on it. So, oh, Tony, old Nathaniel, very nostalgic, very nostalgic stuff. Uh, Billy, uh, give us your thoughts on the match. Um, just going to be echoing the thoughts of you two, to be honest with you. But um, it is slightly concerning, I'd say, for Crystal Palace. They're now three games without any points. Um, I don't think they can beat themselves up too much, though. They've got. Um, a decent run coming up. I think they've got um, Everton next week. Um, so, yeah, if they continue playing the way that they have been or that they did against Man United anyway, I can certainly see them coming away with at least one point there next week. Um, but it just shows how big of a miss um, Anderson and MacArthur, yeah. I think it is, have been for them. Um, but, yeah, I, I do think that if they continue playing the way that they did against Man United, then there's no worries for them this season. Yeah, two hugely important players there that we're missing, and, and we know that the, the the Crystal Palace squad isn't a particularly deep squad um, in mm. this time. Obviously, there's a wee bit they need to do a wee bit of business, um, I believe, in either January or the summer, just to sort of deepen that midfield as well. Um, I mean, Kiati, Gallagher, I think are good players. Schlup, I think, is mm. obviously a replacement for MacArthur. I think might just not quite be there for it. It's interesting to see like Benteke still starting. I think it's actually been not too bad. Um, yeah, Jordan Ayew yeah. still getting games. They need to work on their final product, clearly. They had chances to go and get something from this game and they really need to take that, especially when you're away from home. Mm. They've got young, exciting talent on the bench. They've got Eze, Ole, Michael Lise, um, Odds Edward. These are young players, players that are almost yeah. ready to go. They need to be pushing that, that front line of Wilfred Zaha, Benteke and Jordan Ayew. They're the old guard of Palace. They are the sort of Hodgson front three, aren't they? So it's it's interesting to see they're still first first choice. And I don't know. I don't I'm not massively of the opinion that that will be the first choice front three for Crystal Palace come the end of the season. I, I do see a sort of an, an No, I don't think so. And a, or an Elise or maybe even mm. Edward sort of nailing down a, a spot if they can get the minutes. Because they seem to get enough minutes coming off the bench. They seem to get a solid sort of 20 or 30. Mm. You know, enough yeah. time to come on and actually make a, an impact rather than just your know, sort of five yeah. or six near the end of the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was an interesting way to see the the, the philosophy instilled. I mean, before this match, Man United were 16th in the league for pressing, which is obviously a pretty poor show considering a good half of the teams in the Premier League are, are, are actually counting attacking teams and don't, don't particularly press that well. Um, so to be to be you know like that far down the list, it kind of shows. The, the, how unfit and how how poor they were. I mean, there's still a lot I think um, wrong at Manchester United, and I don't think this is necessarily the. I don't want to say it's a false dawn, but at the same time, it's one thing to go and play one game. You sort of press for ninety minutes. It's when you're on that sort of fifteenth game of pressing, you know, twice a week, yeah. that you sort of really see if players can stick to it and do it all overseas. So it's it's why you know. Pressing suits ultra competitive clubs like Manchester City, Manchester Liverpool, oh, sorry Liverpool, Manchester City, because or even Chelsea to a certain extent, mm. um, where there's just so much competition for places that you know you can 
you can't really have an off game, otherwise you will be sort of, you know, you can be a Bernardo be out. Yeah. And, and, and have to work your way back into the team. You can be a De Bruyne and have to work your way back into the team. Um, mm. You know, I mean, I, I recall a game recently where, you know, I seen Kevin De Bruyne pressing at sort of, um, and I think it was the Manchester Derby actually, Kevin De Bruyne pressing at like 90 minutes in when the game's won, you know, and, and that's the sort of <laughs> attitude. If that's the, that's the right, the, the, the attitude or the, the DNA that they want to instill, at Manchester United, then I think there needs to be a kind of change, changing of the players, or at least some sort of competitive depthness sort of mm. added to that to, to make it to make it happen. Yeah, I mean now now the front three. Well, I say the front three. Now the three wingers, if you like, are, are fully fit for United. You know, your Greenwood, your Rashford, and your Sancho. I, I do think we can. We'll see that the pressing, like you just mentioned, then for when Greenwood comes on to impress, if you know what I mean, especially in the early days as well. So I do think that will come to Man United, if you like. But, it, it, yeah, it's going to take its time for Ralph Rangnick to properly get his his philosophy instilled, if you like. It'll be interesting to see the players he signs. Definitely, yeah. After all, like, sort of gag-impressing players. I mean, this guy is the, the father of the gag-impress. There's a really, really good video on TIFO football about the, the history of Ralph Rangnick. Um, and why there's quite a lot of German coaches or coaches adjacent to Germany that kind of fed off quite a lot of his philosophy. You know, I mm. mean, to, domestically, you can look at Tuchel, Klopp, Ralf Hasenhutl. These are sort of coaches that, that kind of live off a pressing philosophy. And he's saying, no, he's, he's of the modern German um, impression of it. He's, he's very much sort of had a lot of influence on and he's one of these coaches, a bit like a Bielsa, where he has a lot of influence and respect in the game that's not necessarily tied in with trophies. Mm. It's just about, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, like, like there's, <laughs> exactly. there's coaches in the world that consider Bielsa to be one of the best football and all the best football in mind in the world, but he's managing Leeds, you know. Um, yeah. And it's the same with this guy. He's, he's managed a lot. Of, I did quite a lot of good things, judging from his CV um, in Germany in particular. And... Uh, Particularly with the Red Bull organization as well, taking them to, to another level as well. So, yeah, it's, it'll be it's, it's going to be an interesting uh, couple of months at least um, for, for for Manchester United. Anything to add, Paul? Before we move on, nope, nope, that's it. Right, okay, let's go to Antonio Conte's Spurs as he got a got a win over uh, Dean Smith's Norwich. Um, it's it's weird to see like a, a big, well, not a big, but like a a club of of stature playing a five at the back against uh, <laughs> on a back three as well as we'll call it but uh, yeah they still they got, they got them over the line um, yeah still still uh, still troubles at Norwich do you think Dino can keep them up Billy you think your old, your old boss can can do the business it's a really tough one because on any normal year I think he does However, this year, there's just so much competitive. It's just so competitive, that bottom half. It, it's going to be a real, real tough ask for him. If he can keep his players fit, then I do think it, it obviously gives him a lot more of a chance. And if they want to invest in the in the uh, winter transfer window, I think Dean Smith knows what he's doing in the transfer window. We've seen that with his um, signings at Villa. Um but it, it it was always going to be a tough, a real tough ask for them to do something. But since coming in, he I th- he won his first game, didn't he? They drew to Southampton. I can't remember what they if there was a game before that um, as well. If there was one in the week, was there? I can't remember. Um, but he's doing he's doing a decent job there. And like I say, on a normal year, he does keep them up. This year, it's just going to be a massive, massive ask. I think um, it's important that they actually stay within touching distance of the other clubs around them for like mm-hmm. up to Christmas and New Year's. Yeah, because they're on they're all level on points at the bottom, but you just don't see it happening. Like they have Adam Ida and Puki up front. It's just just screams just championship. Like, like, like yeah, Ida plays for like Ireland enough. and he's atrocious. And then uh, <laughs> fences ropey as well. These are all championship players, bar a few. Mm. Like I don't know why you're giving Pookie another chance to lead the line in the Premiership. Like it's the last chance you get. The first time, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if they go and get someone in the in uh, in general, <clears throat> To be honest, yeah, and it'll make a big difference. It's, you could see in the Pookie had a chance at nil all, and Ida had a chance at one nil. And if those go in or one of them goes in, it's a different game. But 
these players aren't goal scorers. They're definitely not in the Premier League yet. Yeah. Well, Ida, there's a lot of hype around Ida still, but I don't see it happening. But yeah, like Norwich will go down if they, if they can't score goals. Like. This isn't a club that are scared to go down. Yeah, they relish it. They're like, oh, good. We can <laughs> win. Again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> win games we can again, win yeah. every week again. Great. Yeah, great stuff. <laughs> We're going to win at least 40 games next season. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, honestly, I think they give themselves as good a chance as, th- as they possibly could by hiring Dean Smith. Yeah. I really think. That is the best appointment in world football 100%. that they could hope for. Really, I really do strongly 100%. believe that. And I think they got him just based, based off the fact, the fact that Dean Smith doesn't particularly like to be out of work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, honestly, that's the reason. I honestly think if Dean Smith yeah. holds out, then um, he maybe, you know, gets a, gets a, get, he gets another job in the Premier League, you know, when, when, when teams yeah, start definitely. sinking ships uh, next season or something like that. Or he can get a, an upper-tier job in the Championship or something like that. Mm. I don't think he needs to take an Oryx job, personally. I think he maybe gets a, a chance at a slightly more established club, but mm. um, he's there. And I think, you know, if he... Norwich in a game, I think I totally agree with Paul where they need to stay within touching distance and they need to hope they need to hope for things to go seriously wrong at, at the clubs around them. They need a Burnley to to have like a, a meltdown. They need a Southampton yeah. just to crumble. They need like a Southampton injury to Livermore or something like that, yeah. or a Shea Adams injury that that takes them and drags them into that that fight with them, or, or Brentford to lose and Ivan Tony mm-hmm. or something like that. You know. Um, even though they, they actually had a, a positive result at the weekend with in, in the absence of Ivan Tony, but that's what kind of Norwich need around them. And whether that'll happen, I don't know. They need a Newcastle. They need it not to work at Newcastle. Although I think Newcastle are going to go and spend big in January and, and be yeah, pretty that's, safe. That's the thing. Um, but yeah, that it's uh, it's an interesting one. Paul uh, Conte is starting. Things are starting to go a little bit better. Uh, at the club since uh, since he lost in the Europa League or the Euro or Euro Conference League, should I say? Um, which which he was you know disgusted by, uh, refused to speak to the yeah. players afterwards. Uh, since then, it seems to be pretty plain sailing. Uh, uh, Spurs, um, how do you rate the job he's done so far? Yeah, like you said, there has been plain sailing, and they're kind of coming on under the radar. Um, their goals were late enough, so it kind of made the result look better than it was. But um, yeah, I think. It's all gone well, and just the fact that Kane can't score for the life of him in the league is the only thing missing at the moment. Um, and kind of, yeah, like the clubs you mentioned already, I think he's just hoping that he stays within touching distance of Champions League or whatever until the transfer window, and then hopefully he can bring in someone, a few players that he wants. But yeah, I think if Kane starts scoring, then they'll have no issues. I think Conte will sort the defence out and then... Mm. And then, yeah, then they'll start getting big results once, yeah, if Kane scores or or they replace Stay him. Or, the what, what the story is with him, like, what's going to happen now if he well, this is really dead. This consistently this, this, score now? This is a game that has, like, Kane stat pad written all over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Norwich home. Um, yeah. And, you know, when, when you know, you score three goals and, and Harry Kane's not getting any of them, he's got Davidson, Davidson Sanchez scoring ahead of him, you know, so it's... It's uh, it's it could be going better for Harry Kane at Tottenham. I think at this time, <laughs> I think you know his whole sort. I think he's still gone in his head. Maybe he's still like away from Spurs in his head. You know when he released that mm. uh, that long. I'm staying at Spurs till the summer. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> when I can get my idiot brother to work out a deal with someone. You know, um, it's it's an interesting one for sure. You know, son. Still doing the business every week. Every time I see Son on the party, he does the business. Yeah. Lucas Mora seems to be a preference of Conte's. He seems to be playing a lot of, fo- lot of football under Conte, so you'll be enjoying life there. Um, and he definitely seems to be trying to get Berwin involved as well. I think he's been substituting the last sort of two or three games. So it's interesting to see what's all going on. But it was that, isn't it? <laughs> it was relatively, you know, this match went very much the way you'd expect it to, you know. Spurs clean sheet, got the win, three points, job done, good job. And <laughs> again, <laughs> No goals. Um, a slightly more interesting match was um, when Wolves hosted Liverpool. Um, a late goal from Devil Origi, uh, which, was, which was spectacular. He just only scores big, big goals, doesn't he? Does he, Paul? He's, he has he has the best super sub in football history. 
Surely, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> have to agree with that. Jeez, what can you say? Like, he's just some man. Um, yeah. He built statues a... of him everywhere in Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> See, Andy Robertson <laughs> tweeted, I'll bring my grandkids <laughs> to visit his statue. Um, yeah, just the man, like, he just exudes cool and, like, didn't even snatch at it, just took the touch and finished it. It was the striker's finish. It was like, yeah, it, was it was so, so it was superb. It was superb. <laughs> but look. Klopp said it right, I think. I don't know if he said it this weekend, but he's like, people think Origi's not a good player, but like, he's just like, not as good as Salah and Mane and stuff, but he's, he's our 13th player or whatever. He's just at one of the best clubs in the world. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's mm. just at a club with like, a completely elite front line. Yeah. Granted, Jota's went in and gone from a sort of like rotation of the role to, to being, you know, quite yeah, yeah, quite a true. big part of the way Liverpool play. Uh, and Arrighi, this, this is Arrighi's role in this team, is just to come on and score big goals like and be like a proper centre-back. Just come on and be Divock. <laughs> yeah, just come on and, and be Divock. Um, and it must be gutting for this move side because they put in a shift to get a point here like <laughs> they must be absolutely exhausted ran off that because it's a difficult day to play Liverpool they they really do force you to run just everywhere to, to prevent them doing what they want to do um, yeah Billy what, what was your thoughts um, frustration to be honest with you <laughs> I'm sure it mirrors uh, mirrors your thoughts on the game um, but yeah as a as a West Midlands rival to Wolves you never like to see them win and as a Man City hater, <laughs> mm-hmm. I always want to see Liverpool win as well. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was a very frustrating game to watch. Um, that Jota chance was what oh, he was trying to what, what he was trying to do in smashing it when he just needs to place it into that side netting with his left foot or right foot. Yeah. Even he just needs to place it in, but instead he tries to blast Smash the back of the net off. I think. Do you think the crowd got in his head for that one or something? It felt oh, like it he must just have wanted done. to smash it, it and just done, run yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. Just, I think oh, so. Yeah, the bottom corner was just. He open. had a pretty woeful game, like altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, like it even was one of the, sorry, off the ball, no. even off the ball, yeah. he wasn't at his best. His passing wasn't very good. Um, mm. His finishing was atrocious. He had chances that he finishes in any other day. I feel like if it's any other opponent, maybe he bags that. Um, yeah, although it, I've seen Jota miss some powers this season. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, diff- that's a difficulty, you know. Is he that top, top, top level player to get Liverpool over the line and get him a league title? Because without a div- without a Divock and Ige on the bench, you know, you lose that game. Well, you don't lose that game, you don't get anything from that game, which yeah. feels like a loss, which gives up ground to Chelsea and Man City, you know? Mm. I think I think Jota can be that player. I just think I, in I, this I, game 100% in <laughs> Just in this game in particular, against his former club, it almost seemed like he wanted to score just way too much. Mm, and yeah, just yeah. recently, I was listening to the Ben Foster podcast with Ian Wright on, and he said when he, whenever he played against Peter Schmeichel, it, it he was very much the same. Like he would want to score just way too much, and he, he never could because he always had that necessity and want to score against him and it was just too much that he never did and I feel that's exactly how Jota felt in this game he just wanted to score way too much and it just never never dropped for him he had the chances he had more than more than enough chances the one we just mentioned but like I say it was it's just such a strange game from Jota he just wanted to score too much didn't he hmm. it's an interesting take um yeah I mean it's a great three points for Liverpool. This, you know, mm-hmm. it moves them above Chelsea in the pecking order, even if it's you know for for a week or so. It still leaves that top of the table, that top position, just you know, two points in it. You know, it's it's so tight up there, and you just cannot afford to to lose these points. I don't think if you want to win the league, then yeah, when yeah, you, yeah. when when you sort of review the season, you think, fuck, you know, how did they keep us out? You know, and I think you know Liverpool look back to like sort of the Brighton game, the Brentford fixture, and stuff like that. If, if they don't go over the line, but yeah, I mean it was it was a particularly good game. Um, good off the stats, Joe Matip actually gets man of the match <laughs> for this <laughs> for this fixture, uh, which is quite interesting. But yeah, there's a there's a lot to like about Wolves under the, the new exciting coach uh, Bruno Large. Um, keeping clean sheets is obviously a good thing for the Premier League. Mm. Um, I wonder 
where they're going to be at the end of the season and what it's kind of going to lead to and what their next steps will be. Uh, We've got a tough run coming up as well. So it'll be interesting to see how they get on during that as well. Mm, Definitely, definitely. Um, let's go to uh, a Newcastle-Burnley game, uh, 4-4-2 versus 4-4-2. Uh, <laughs> uh, Eddie Howe and Sean Dyche, uh, managers that know each other very well. Um, Callum Wilson gets a goal and uh, plays the important role that he was signed for, for Newcastle to do, and Newcastle get an extremely, extremely important three points, not only because um, they need points on the board, but they're actively, you know, with keeping... Um, points away from from Newcastle, uh, Burnley, sorry, which is a, a sort of immediate rival for them in the table wise. Um, Paul, I'll come back to you. What what are your thoughts in the match? What what are your thoughts in the good form of Joel Linton, who seems to be looking like a bit of a a, a bright spark for Newcastle in these recent games in terms of just his football and form? <laughs> um, yeah. So first thing, actually, Jada should have done what Wilson did. Just put it in the yeah, just put it in the back yeah. of the net with the open put it in the back of the um, net. Yeah, I don't know. Joe, Joe Linton, he's just become a figure of fun. I don't know what the story is. And now he's just kind of turning it around slowly, slowly but surely. He's um, becoming an influential player on the football yeah. pitch. Mm. Like, he's having quite a lot to his game. Um, and I thought, he, I think this... he's not probably the goal scorer, is he? That He's not the one to no. lead the line. But no, he's, he's never going to be that. He's be never going to be striker. And no. with Wilson there, he knows Wilson's the main man. And Wilson's like happy to be, happy to. To take the limelight and score the goals, and yeah, you line him up, I'll bang him in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you can't. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like yeah, it seems he's kind of turning his career slowly around. It's good for him. Like he seems like a nice fella. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's uh, I've been making fun of him for for quite a long time, which feels like a long, long time because yeah, it does. He's, yeah. he's a he's a bismo. For at least the, the entire lifetime of <laughs> streamers, I've been actively making fun of Joe Linton. But honestly, I, I have been genuinely impressed by these last probably two or three matches that I've seen him. Um, he looks like kind of all over it, like almost a central midfielder and a number 10, and he's up in a forward line. Seen him out wide, winning aerial duels and winning, winning, winning challenges and, and holding up the ball really well. And I think that's what he needs to do because that's what he's good at. He's just not good at finishing. <laughs> he's just not good at finishing. He's not good at that final product. But everything in between, he's a big man. He's a big physical, strong athlete. I think these are the, these are the things he needs to lead, lean into. You know, he needs... You know, playing against a Wilson, I think, is a, is a perfect match for Joe Linton. You know, playing, yeah. you know, playing in front of a a John Joe Shelby, a Joe Willett, players that are quite capable with the ball at their feet as well, kind of suits him. And and having those sort of wide players that that are quite creative as well, I think, yeah, he's he's finding a home in this squad, which is which is impressive because it's genuinely not something I've ever seen happen. Um, I didn't think he was anywhere near the standard of this league but I think it goes to show a bit of coaching and, and like it's quite adept to Eddie Howe used to go like right, you're good at these things just do those yeah. <laughs> and try and avoid yeah. getting in front of goal <laughs> well, but yeah you're right there's nothing worse than what Bruce did basically just put him up front and every week hope for the best yeah, yeah. yeah. and he just like constantly missed them like, and you're ruining him then you're ruining his confidence and yeah. Yeah. not playing you're, him in the best position you're ripping it to pieces. Um, yeah. Billy, looking over to this, um, this Burnley side, um, didn't quite go their way this match. Do you feel no. for Burnley this season? I, I do and I don't. I do because you look at the league table and they're, I mean, they're on the same level points as both Newcastle and Norwich now. That was, it was just such a big opportunity for them to get, get those three points and then it's looking a bit better for them. Um, but they've got Sean Dyche they, mm. and Sean Dyche just knows what to do in these situations. And he always manages to somehow grind out results. And I think he'll do it again this season. Um, but it, it's, it's one of those, you think he could, you think he'll do it again, but will he actually be able to do it again? Yeah, exactly. It's like, do it again and again and again and again. And like, the Sean Dyche effect is like, does it ever run out? Do, do Burnley actually ever go back down? I, I mean, did they ever get back up to that sort of European place? 
under Sean Dyche. I don't know. I think that I, needs... I don't think they'll get them, get that... back to those European places, I mean, especially like, with as, the as money it... that they need to spend yeah, to get exactly, there as well. You know, now, um... is he ever going to be backed? Is he ever going to take another job? You know, and and try something a bit different. It was, you know, it's... I think you know he's good enough to keep them up. I think mm. losing to Newcastle is definitely a big blow for him. That Especially is immediately... with it being Liverpool, yeah. uh, Newcastle's first win of the season as well. Yeah, it, it really was an opportunity to kind of get away from the pack slightly, and then you've mm-hmm. got some. Yeah. Then you've got really got something to build on going into the next game, and you can take that momentum forward, similarly to how Villa have done with since Steven Gerrard's come in. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is it is worrying. However. It's Sean Dyche as well. You so. never write them off. You know, you never go write, write them off. But... And they do have a, a game in hand as well, mm, which yeah. is is against Spurs. However, football's a funny game. That's the that's the one who um that's the one who. In fact, I actually don't see him getting in from that game just because uh, <laughs> Conte's quite cautious tactics <laughs> at the moment. I don't think that Cornell or, or McNeil is going to. I think it would take something for them to get something for that game. I hope they do. I hope they do. Fingers crossed. Um, I want to go to uh, well, probably a game of the weekend. The, the game we're going to finish up on here, boys. It was uh, West Ham hosted Chelsea. Um, come from behind twice uh, to get to get the win here. David Moyes' West Ham, um, absolutely superb work uh, from them. Uh, Paul, where did it where did it go wrong for us? Because Chelsea did not play too bad in this game at all. Um, it was just uh, Mendy, yeah, Mendy had his worst yeah. ever game for the club. Yeah. <laughs> he had his worst ever yeah. game. And a Chelsea shot. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, like that was it. I think the third goal, the final goal, I feel a little bit sorry for him. Like it's a bit of a freak goal, takes a weird turn out of nowhere. But he don't know much. The first goal, that. that's a cross. That's just, a, that's a cross. Yeah, right. oh, exactly. Scuffed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then you you just look stupid then. And then uh, yeah, the guy who kicked it looks amazing, even though he he fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah, with the penalty, you're just like what do you ask? Like what? What like what's the I know the whole like take your touch and but the situation turned bad so quickly it's yeah. just, it was mm. like what he seemed to like want to hold off the player and you're like no and then it turned, just yeah, get turned terrible from them yeah but yeah like Chelsea what they went two one up Mendes goal was unreal loved it um and still mm. it's God it's not God. all Mendy definitely not all Mendy's fault um but you'd expect Chelsea to be winning but it seems like they finally hit that. Hit that dodgy period, and yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens from here. I mean, purely like Chelsea scored two goals and probably could have had a, a few more. Um, <coughs> but it's like it was a lot of role. It was a, this was in relation a lot to Mendy's individual errors. I mean, there was a I can't lay all the blame at him. You know, I don't think outside the sort of like Thiago Silva, like the back line weren't up to much this this game. It went up to the usual standards anyway. Um, but but West Ham they just they just know how to get a result. They know how to exploit exploit a team like this and get the knife in if the if it's the chance to be there for West Ham to win. They generally, you know, you back them to take it, and that is why they're still in the top four teams in the country. And it's almost Christmas, <laughs> <laughs> which is crazy. Yeah. Which is crazy. Um, Lanzini got his first uh, start of the, the Premier League season and, and scored a penalty. Uh, Michael Antonio gets the assist. Uh, Jared Bowen scores a gorgeous goal as well. Um, yeah, I mean, West Ham just absolutely flying. I mean, Did you see Lanzini running after Reese James after he scored the penalty? Yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> that was, that was just what you love to see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the best is, is the best sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Anything to add in this game, Billy? No, not really. It's just a a big shock, really. It's like I've mentioned several times before, those three at the top, you just expect them to win every every single week. And fair play to West Ham. They've taken six points off two of them and come very close against Man City as well. So Mm. you've just got to say fair play to them sometimes. Um, But it, it does feel very much like that but it not to the same extent, but it kind of feels like the less when Leicester went on to win the league. Like, are are they going to get Champions League football? When's that bubble going to burst? Is that bubble going to burst? Kind of thing. That's that's that. I'm very much in the same mind as like, is this Champions League 
bubble going to burst? And if it is going, why is it taking till Christmas to, yeah. <laughs> to, for West Ham still to be in a, in a Champions League place? And if they can even run it down to the wire and get, if they can be within the sort of last five games and still have it a viable, you know, a viable outcome, then. They'll do it as well. If, they if, if they've got three games to go and they need to win those last three games, they will You'd win those last three games. You'd bite them to do it. You'd bite them to do it. It's just the, the confidence around West Ham at the minute in the team with the fans as well. Um, David Moyes, they will go and they'll, they will go and get those three wins. I've seen a, I've seen a thing on Twitter about, um, and it was a group that were against the owners of West Ham. And trying to house the owners. <laughs> I was thinking, well, things are turning out not too bad. <laughs> Lord, put the old banners away, put them in a cupboard, bring them out for another day. You know, if it, if it comes you know, on your back, it's sort of like, you know, like pre moist. Like, if you go back to yeah. the end, you know what I mean? Some people just don't know how to admit, you know, things are going all right now. You know, I mean, if you're like yeah. West Ham and it's almost Christmas and you're in fourth place, I don't think you need to be at the stadium no. thinking, bored out. It's a, you know? <laughs> it's a bit different if it was in the new castle situation isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you know it's not even that sort of situation i mean ah it's it's uh it's a bit weird i just thought it was an interesting uh thing yeah. to see something i don't think like um you know if, if, if you're wanting the the owners out when you're you're fourth in the league uh and you're west ham <laughs> then i don't think you've got yeah, something anything wrong. in particular that's going to live up to your standards you no. know <laughs> um <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> I understand they're in a new stadium, but like sacking the owners isn't going to. <laughs> We're going to go back to um. What did what was the name of West Ham's old stadium? The Bowling. Nah, yes, Upton Park. Yeah, Upton Park. Upton Park. Yeah. Upton Park. Aye, uh, they're never going to just move back there because they they got new owners. But um, uh, it's been uh, it a good chat, boys. Flats again. <laughs> <laughs> Good chat to you, boys. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed um, it as always, mate. Thank you. I'm enjoying um, all the football recently as well. I think we're, in, we're still in a good position um, in terms of watching the Premier League. It's so competitive, right, right up at the top, right down at the bottom as well. I mean, it's just it's a good year of football. Fans back in the stadium. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm very much enjoying it. Very much about, uh, enjoyed talking about it as well um, every single week. Um, so thanks for joining me, lads. Thanks for having us, mate. Uh, and thanks to all the listeners that tune in every every week. We we really do appreciate you. Um, if you're watching along on YouTube, hit a wee like. Um, we do have videos going up on YouTube for any for any other audio. Well, I know the vast sort ninety five percent of our listeners are still audio, audibly based, <laughs> uh, but we are up on YouTube. If you if you're interested in that and on on that channel as well, you can see our two other podcasts: Total Liverpool uh, and Total Villa. Okay, until next time, cheer bye. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.